Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Well, it's here, my 400th podcast episode. That's kind of crazy. I went back and tried to figure out about how many shows I've done, including the 12 years I was on radio, and it's something like 2,300 shows. I'm doing two a week now. It was only one a week for the first 12 years, but uh, it's thrilling to know that uh, not only have I been able to last this long doing this, but I continue to find new listeners. If you want to my new listeners, thank you so much for coming on board. I hope that you love it. I hope you get in touch with me if there's anything that you think I can approve upon. If you're a listener who's been with me for a while, I thank you even more for sticking with me uh, through the craziness of COVID and all the other stuff that's been going on. I have loved bringing you this show and being able to uh, speak the truth as I see it about natural health. I've got a great interview for you today with a friend of mine who I think you're really going to love. I was very excited to invite her on for episode 400 because it is a pretty big milestone. The show continues to grow, and she is uh, someone who I think you're going to really love to hear from. So thank you, thank you, thank you for episode 400. I hope to be at 500 by the end of next year, if everything goes as planned, and we'll just keep on going from there. And now, on to Vitality Radio, episode 400. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and today I've got a special treat for you. Uh, you don't probably know this uh, woman, this amazing guest that I'm about to introduce to you, unless you're maybe... Maybe you're here in Utah and you've met her at one of the wonderful conferences that we attend together, or maybe you've heard of her school, maybe you've attended her school. I don't know if I have any listeners that have, but I'd certainly be uh, happy to hear about it. But today's episode is 100%, if I can spit it out, about a Facebook post that my next guest uh, posted, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. Uh, coming up on the holidays, I believe it was. And uh, this post, you know, you, you, you scroll on Facebook and you see all this stuff. And if you do like I do, you're you're looking for specific things that, you know, are interesting to you. Sometimes we're looking for a meme to laugh at. Sometimes we're looking for, you know, a, a video of, uh, you know, someone close to us, their children doing something cute. Or, you know, maybe you're into cat videos. That's not really my thing or whatever it is that you're scrolling for, but oftentimes I find myself scrolling for inspiration. I will be there looking for people because I have specifically chosen certain people to follow online that inspire me and that can teach me something and that I really feel uh, have a level of wisdom that I would like to share in, we'll say. And I hope that oftentimes when I join the conversation, that I share a little bit of wisdom that's useful for uh, the people that I'm posting for. Anyway, I digress. When it comes down to this episode, this is an episode that's going to fit right in with our emotional vitality episodes, because I believe that what we're about to talk about is 
a bit of a plague in all of our lives. That's probably the best way I can put it. And it has to do with the pressures of being reachable all the time by phone, by internet, uh, by tablet, by computer, by social media, by all of the different things that people can reach out to us on or that we can reach out to people on. There is very little time for just us to decompress. And we want to talk about that in some depth. I want to introduce my wonderful guest. Her name is Amy Sprouse. Amy and I met at a conference, I think the first time we met, at least the time that uh, was was most impactful for me, was at uh, a conference in Utah. And she had a booth and I had a booth. And uh, we were actually like kind of right next door to each other. And Uh, She had all kinds of people lining up to talk to her, and that's always intriguing to me. Okay, who's this person that everybody wants to talk to? I always want to know who that person is. Uh, And she seemed to be one of those people. And uh, so uh, my sweetheart and I stood there kind of behind the people that were uh, in line to meet with her. And just kind of listened in on, you know, the conversation and and trying to understand who this person was, what the business was. And it turns out that this person was Amy Sprouse. Amy, welcome to Vitality Radio. Thank you, Jared. And I have a few different distinct memories of our encounters, so I'd love to share mine (laughs) as well. Yeah, so... Well, and and I'm so glad you're here, and I'm happy to let you share anything. Let me finish this thought, though. So this was the thing. You initially, I think everybody gives off a vibe. If you know what I'm talking about listening, you kind of feel like, yeah, that's someone I want to know. That's someone maybe I don't want to talk to. Uh, You know, that, that there's a little coldness, a little warmth, a little, you know, intimidation, whatever it is that you might feel from someone the first time that you meet them. Amy gave off a vibe, a really, really interesting vibe, and it impacted me and it impacted my sweet Jen uh, in a way that we thought, we actually want to get to know this person. This is someone who could probably benefit uh, us. It would benefit us to know them. It would benefit us to get to understand kind of what makes this person tick. Uh, And I remember sitting there after it got our turn to be in line Uh, and actually talk to you, we talked a lot about your school and what you do, which I'll let you explain to the listeners here in a minute. And I remember thinking one thing very, very clearly, and it's stuck with me ever since, and that was this person is telling me everything from a completely authentic standpoint. Mm -hmm. There's no pretense here. She's not faking it. She's not trying to sell me anything. She's Mm -hmm. just telling me how she really thinks and what she really believes. And I loved that about you. And I can't wait for you to share some of that authenticity with my audience. Wow. Thank you, Jared. It's so fun. That's fun for me to hear because I think sometimes the the virtues and the values that we hold the closest to our heart, we're so critical of ourselves about whether or not we're embodying that. And authenticity has been that thing for me for like five years where social media exists and I've really struggled to feel like I'm showing up online purely authentically. Like Mm -hmm. that's been an ongoing struggle for me. I'm like, do I share enough of the hard, vulnerable parts of my life? Do I share enough of the happy, abundant parts of my life? Am I even showing up at all? The last thing I want to do is put on some show that's not accurate 
And sometimes that keeps me from posting at all. And so <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that authenticity has still come through in our in-person reactions because that's been, that is one of my core values, you know, and just people being real with each other. So I'm really happy to hear that. I haven't heard you share that before. Well, and it, and it's of course coming from a very authentic place, but what's interesting is the person I was standing with, my uh, Jen, who as we're recording this is my fiance, but after you are listening to this, she will be my wife because that happens just in a few days now. Um, the thing that originally was so alluring about Jen was that I felt like she was one of the most authentic people I'd ever met. And mm -hmm. I was striving to become more authentic myself. I still am working on that. It's still one of the big words in my mantra every day is to figure mm -hmm. out how to become my most authentic self. So I'm really drawn towards people who I believe, uh, you know, mirror that uh, or, or, or show me that in their own in their own soul and, and what they're trying to do. And I will say this. You posted this uh, this message on Facebook. It's it's pretty lengthy. Uh, it'll take a few minutes to read it, but I want you to read it for our listeners because, for one thing, <laughs> the second line says something about how inauthentic you think your feed is at that point uh, in Facebook, which I think is really interesting. Again, based on you know how we first met and what my first uh, thoughts were on that. So I want to talk about that. But before we do that, just give us a little bit of background about who you are uh, and how you came to do what you do and what it is that you do. Amazing. So right now I have the opportunity to run an online school of natural medicine called Holistic Health Educators. And we do have a personal health division, but our main focus the past five years has been a professional development and certification division, where our intention is to elevate the level of expertise that natural health professionals have. I'm not sure if the listeners you know, listening in know this or not, but back in 1910, when the Flexner Report was enforced through the American Medical Association, it required medical schools to remove natural medicine from medical school curriculum and uh, essentially agree to focus on clinical trials of modern medicine in order to be accredited and receive funding. So we went from medical schools that were teaching anywhere from you know, 50-50 natural health and allopathic medicine. Some schools were completely dedicated to, you know, homeopathy or hydrotherapy or different forms of natural and integrative healthcare. We went from over 200 medical schools down to 60 about, and uh, those schools were forced to remove natural healthcare from their curriculum. Now, what's happened because of that is natural medicine has still persisted kind of in this undercover realm of practice. And there are phenomenal natural health professionals out there, but we noticed, wow, there's a lot of people who wish they had more technical training and they can't go to medical school to learn it because they don't teach this there. Mm -hmm. And so we provide advanced, more technical training. And it, this sounds like it's gonna be boring, and being entertaining is like one of our top priorities. Like we want this information to stick. We want to make you laugh. Like we bring you into the family, but we do want to dive into the science behind it. My lecture last night was about the mechanisms of action of Ayurvedic medicine and different herbs and different pneumonia blends and flu blends of different herbs and spices. And like, what is that doing at a cellular level? so that you can be aware of contraindications, but also so that you can know when to whip things out for what condition and heal better than hospitals can at times. 
So I'm never discouraging people getting their doctor's opinion. Um, I think I think modern I mean modern medicine has made a ton of advancements in the past 113 years from us hyper focusing on allopathic medicine. So that's not to say medicine hasn't gotten better. It totally has, but it's still missing this huge world of natural medicine. And uh, yeah, our job is to teach it and teach it well. So that's what I get to do for work. Um, and just to kind of segue into my post, we didn't go online until the pandemic. I mean, we had courses available online, but we didn't do in interactive like Zoom calls, one-on-one coaching support on the side. You know, we are very involved with our students and our school's constantly expanding. And uh, it can be very challenging to to run even a even a nor even keep up with the normal demands of adulthood in the 21st century, but then to run an online school or an online company of any sort that involves interaction with people. It's what you said in the beginning, like where do you draw the line in terms of your availability when there's literally an endless amount of people to talk to, like literally endless. So I'm happy we're talking about this discussion today because as committed as I've been to natural medicine, there was always a part of me that's like, do I need medication to just like stay on track? Like this is so hard to keep up with. (laughs) And I mean, this is me coming from someone who runs the school of natural medicine, but the demands were so high. I'm like, is something wrong with me? Like I can't get through my 57 tasks in a day, you know, like maybe I need an intervention. And so I'm just saying that's, that's how demanding it can be in the 21st century. And I, I want to have this very frank discussion with you about that. Yeah, I think this is needed beyond uh, any, uh, you know, specific career or any specific uh, lifestyle. I mean, I imagine there are people with much more chill lifestyles than maybe what you and I have chosen. Uh, It's interesting because I could echo almost everything you just said, because right about the beginning of the uh, pandemic, just a few months prior, well, a month and a half prior to, we launched our website for the first time. So we went from brick and mortar to uh, the web. Um, about a year, uh, I got to think for a second here. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. The podcast launched right before that, which got me, you know, way bigger coverage than I ever had before, you know, outside of the state of Utah. A couple of years later, then we launched the website and then my podcast really took off right around that same time. And all of a sudden I had thousands of people following me on social media instead of hundreds of people. And we had a chat feature on our website where people can jump in and ask questions, you know, 24 hours a day. And it's just, yeah, it's like, whoa, okay, what do I do with all this? How do I keep up and how do I still do what I intend to do here, serving the people that I intend to serve uh, in in an authentic way and in a way that gives them what they really need with the amount of time that I have to offer, which unfortunately isn't always nearly as much as I'd like it to be. Right. So when I read your post, it was like, Oh wow. Uh, this is a conversation that I would love to have with you personally. We could have this conversation without the microphones and I would be thrilled to have the conversation. I'm, I'm guessing I'm certain that I'm going to learn some things from you today. Cause I learned some things just from your post, but this needs to be shared a lot further than just between us, which is why I invited you on the show. So would you please read what you wrote at 1.51 a.m.? Tell me what date it was. Let me pull that up real quick. I've got it in my text. i got to find it here. On November 30th. So oh, so right after Thanksgiving. Okay. Right after Thanksgiving okay. Thanksgiving yeah, I knew it was holiday time, but I wasn't quite sure when. All right, so go ahead. 
Hey fam, it's 1.51 a.m. and I've been putting off writing this post for how long? I can always tell how inauthentic I've been online by how inauthentic I think my feed is. It's totally a mirror for me. When I'm posting honestly and freely, I purely enjoy others' content. When I've suppressed my thoughts and feelings, I scroll through my feed thinking no one is really saying how they're feeling. But of course, that's not on them. It's me. So I'm going to talk about something that has been heavy on my heart and mind. And if you feel inclined, let me know your thoughts too. Though I'll add a heads up. My response time to comments is highly unpredictable, especially if I love what you said. I'm trying to better understand why it's felt harder for me to respond to people lately. Like, is my soul just getting tired of all the tech and screen time? Am I selfish? And the answer to that is yes, a lot of times. Is it overwhelm paralysis? Am I overestimating how long it'll take me to respond so I delay it to some future point where I think I'll have an hour to write it out, even though in actuality I may only need a few minutes? Furthermore, how come the meaningless messages are way easier to respond to than the ones that evoked a strong emotion in me? You guys, I've been wondering if I'm built for this. The emails, the messages, the calls, the campaigns. And I don't even get that many messages compared to many other people at my level of management. Is my detachment a product of me becoming healthier and developing a natural aversion to too much tech? Or is it a sign of an overtired and overstimulated soul that longs for rest and retreat? Now listen, please don't not message me because of what I'm saying now. I like talking to you, I swear, and I love technology. I'm just opening this up for conversation. We all own phones. We can message anyone at any time. Positively, I sense a growing amount of grace and understanding in society towards others' communication. Like we're starting to get it to not take it personally when another person doesn't respond right away, hopefully. Negatively, the mental head game is rough when you have so many people to get back to. I've laid in bed with just names and names of people and messages running through my mind, imagining that they think I don't care or didn't remember, when they couldn't possibly know how much I think about it and about them. It's tormenting. All the while, I have an inner rebel inside of me, which is where this tendency towards non-responsiveness comes from, who says, I never consented to this 21st century unspoken contract where just because we now own phones, you are now available to anyone at any time of day to talk about anything and, how, and somehow you're at fault if you don't respond. This myth of endless availability is harmful and soulless. Back in the day, it would take weeks or months to correspond with each other. At no point in human history were we ever afforded the opportunity to stay connected to everyone we've ever met. It's amazing, but it's also unnatural. Are you guys hearing me? I'm not complaining about the epicness of our communication options. This is coming from a place of torment that I love people deeply and over and over and over again, that love has been reduced to, if you cared, you'd have responded. It's not that hard to respond, Amy. Has anyone heard from Amy? Silence, assumptions, nothing. The free dancing spirit inside of me feels like it's being measured against my ability to fit in this 21st century program and it's crushing me. And I'm sorry if I've ever hurt you with my silence. And I'm sorry if you never got to hear the wonderful thoughts I had about you and the effect of your words on me. And I hope you never take my response time as a sign of my lack thereof, of lack of care thereof. That's my brave post for today. Much love to you all. That's powerful. It kind of makes me tear up yeah. reading it now, Jared. <laughs>
Well, you want to talk about authenticity. You certainly laid it all out on the line right there. And I'm telling you, I sat there and read it and uh, I thought, this is just so incredibly relatable to me. This feels like I could have written this. And, wow. and, and now I will read my response. And then I want to just for the rest of the show just hash out how, uh, how you, what you're doing about this in your life to try to take some of the overwhelm off, uh, what I've done in my life, and uh, we'll just go through the process and see if we can uh, shed some light on this for those listening. Awesome. So this is my response. Well, you did it. You reached inside of your soul and brought to the surface the literal identical thoughts and feelings that are inside of my own. I am a communicator. I am empathetic. I am an educator. I'm in the public eye. I am a resource to thousands of people every day. I am motivated. I am sometimes exhausted. I am grateful for the position that I hold in this world. I am often overwhelmed with joy. I am often overwhelmed with overwhelming responsibility. I am someone who people reach out to when they are in literal pain or when they don't know what to do for their sick child. I am one who feels pressure. I am expected to be available at 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. and any time in between. I am one who desires to help. I am one who relishes the attention. I am one who often puts clients, customers, and listeners ahead of family and friends. Some people demand more than others. I am responsible for the beliefs others have about my endless availability. I am often frustrated that, I, that, I, that they feel I should always be available. I am indeed the maker of this bed that I lie in. I am also cognizant that 95% of people don't expect me to be available all of the time. I am grateful for those people. I am also grateful for those who expect more than seems reasonable. I am, love, I am in love with my life. It is my chosen path that also seems to have chosen me. I am in love with my Jenny, who has a primary love language called quality time. I am crazy about my youngest son who has a primary love language of quality time. I am head over heels for two little families that are blessing me with two little grandbabies. I am one who wants quality time with them. I am attempting to find balance, real balance for perhaps the first time in my adult life. I don't want any of this to stop. I do not want, but I do want all of it to fit. I am aware that there is one of me and 24 hours in a day. I am learning to delegate and have found some incredible people to delegate to. I am in love with your insights and I look forward to your posts because they often influence me to dig deeper into my own consciousness. I am hopeful that we all learn to be less demanding and more understanding. You are a beautiful, amazing woman with a wise and brilliant soul. Keep finding your balance and keep helping to add light to our world. Wow. Wow. So that's what I came up with. <laughs> Talk about relatable. I'm like, wow, I feel that. Yeah, wow. it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and the thing is, I want to make sure that, uh, that people understand where I'm coming from with this <clears throat> on my side. And I anticipate you would echo uh, some of these sentiments. But every one of us has what feels like I think anyway, the vast majority I'll say of us have what feels like too much time or too much to do in the time allotted, right? I think that's a pretty common 21st century uh, American 
feeling, whether you're dealing with your children or your job or your spouse or your dating life or your children, your job and your dating life or your religion or whatever it is that takes up your time, we all feel, I think, pretty stretched a lot of the time. And many of us will. I think one of the most natural responses is the is the no response response, right? It's like, you know what? I can't do that right now, so I'm going to sink into a book or a television show or, you know, whatever it is that uh, is kind of that fight, flight, freeze thing, right? We get into the stressed situation and instead of running away from it or fighting, we just freeze and do nothing. And then when we go back to life, we realize that that pile is just as tall or taller than it was when we left. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? Right. And so it's not that I'm in this, you know, position where I'm busier than everybody else in the world. It just it, it, what you said resonated so strongly. And I wanted to lay out sort of the positive negative, if you want to call it that, of all of those things that I feel. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it, it, it really, really got me thinking. And that's again, it's funny because then I, you know, I think that day I texted you and said, you've got to come on the podcast and we got to talk about this, which was me throwing one more thing on your plate. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this is part of my beating heart. And I, I've really, I've wondered Jared over the past five years of running a company and all the times I really felt levels of stress and pressure that I would have never been afforded the opportunity to relate to or know how that feels unless I was in this position. But I've always wondered, I'm like, at some point, I'm going to be able to relate to people who have been through what I'm going through and I'm totally going to get them and they're totally going to get me. And, uh, you know, in a way that really does make it, make it worth it. So, yeah, I just, one thing I think about a lot is, you know, I just zooming out and looking at society from a perspective of timelines and, we couldn't possibly know, quote unquote, exactly how things used to be. And I think a fault in human thinking is looking back and just always thinking it was better, you know, like, oh, back in the good old days, you know, when when you when your heat would go out and people would have terrible winters and when you couldn't access modern medicine, when your child had a bizarre infection and when, you know, you you didn't even have the option of working online, pursuing your passion. Like, you, you know, you were forced into certain job options. Like we tend to look back and be like, Oh, the good old days. And I'm like, I actually think society's come is continuously moving forward because I do believe the nature of mankind is good. And when you have enough people who want to serve mankind, we see progress in society and the evidence of people who cared enough to try to alleviate suffering in other people's lives to do something about it is all around us. It's all around us. If you if you go through society looking at like, wow, someone who came before me cared enough about this problem to put a solution right here and now. So I am of the mind that we are moving forward, but I think we've created a lot of unintended side effects that have incidentally created less mental health, such as you know a lot of the inventions of technology. It's just a huge irony to me. And I want to shine light on the fact that the situation we're in right now truly is novel in the sense that, you know, never before have we been expected to have this level of avail availability. And in a lot of our biology, 
you know, when the sun goes down, you know, you, unless you're working a night shift somewhere, like it's rest time. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've really done a number on our biology by pretending that our availability should extend until, you know, 11 PM at night or midnight or 1am even for consuming content. So it's just having that perspective has really helped me realize like, okay, if I want to feel better mentally and emotionally, how do I live more naturally? Yeah, for sure. And I agree it, it, we can't, we can look back over our own lifespan, right? We can look back and see I'm, I'm 51 years old. I remember what it was like to be, uh, you know, a kid with three TV channels. You don't remember this. You're way too young, but I remember this where there's three TV channels and our best option really, if Saturday morning cartoons were over or, uh, the cartoons after school had ended, it's like, okay, well, there's nothing on TV literally, uh, and that we would want to watch. And so we got to figure something out and there wasn't a video game to play back then. And so there was kick the can and football and basketball and riding our bikes and things like that. And it's easy to look back on those days and say, oh man, those were the good old days. And in so many ways they were. But then it's just as easy to look at all the things that we didn't have back then and think, oh, those days kind of stunk by comparison to now for all the things that we didn't have available. I think what it is, is it's just adjusting to what today looks like. What this world actually has become, uh, the pluses and the minuses. I hesitate to say good and bad or right and wrong because I think that's just all perception anyway. And then finding the thing that everybody in natural health talks about all the time, that thing that is so challenging for all of us to achieve known as balance. Right. Like, how do we get to that in today's modern world? Because it's different not necessarily worse or better. It's different than how we got to it, you know, years ago or how our ancestors got to it. Totally. And I want to mention what made the biggest difference in my life when it came to this. As much as it means, as much as it's helpful to hear things and to learn things at an auditory level, the concept of monkey see, monkey do in human behavior is so real. And uh, I'm telling you, I didn't learn balance until I had a friend come stay with me for a couple months who actually practiced balance, who would actually start unwinding at 8.30 p.m. at night. Like Mm -hmm. 8.30 p.m. at night for me used to be like my second wave of work or my third wave of work in the day. I'm like, okay, cool. Dinner's done. Family responsibilities are tended to. Like crack my knuckles. Let's get back on the laptop. And this person stayed with me and had tea time religiously at night, like 9 p.m. tea time. Phone is only used to broadcast something like brain.fm, which I highly recommend that app if anyone wants scientifically backed sounds that alter your brainwave state. Brain.fm has amazing tracks for rest, relax, sleep, focus, whatever. Um, But he would like maybe use his phone to play music or, or these sound waves. But then it was like, it was like tea time and stretching. And, and I watched this person sit in meditation and all these behaviors that I did not have demonstrated to me by especially not my, you know, my seniors in my family, um, 
maybe some siblings, but you don't always like take that as seriously. So I'm, I'm just saying this right now because I could tell anyone on this radio broadcast, yeah, guys, like have your tea time, turn off your phone, you know, stretch before bed if that, you know, to help release some emotions in your body, you know, get to bed early. Like I could say all of that, but keep in mind that if you don't have that person in your life, you will need to be the rule breaker. You'll need to be the culture breaker of your family and almost like rebel against this thing we've totally normalized in society to have artificial lights on after dark and to be on our phones until just scroll before bed. I mean, you have to look at the what's normal in society, understand that we are at epidemic levels of mental health issues right now. And to be well, you need to be counterculture. Like to be well, you need to rebel against what has become normal. And it, I hope you have a friend in your life that can demonstrate those healthy behaviors. But if you don't have that friend, you got to just be the person who says, you know, I was like, I'm not going to swear, um, who <laughs> says like, you know, screw what's become normal and I'm going to rebel by having tea at 9 p.m. at night. And I'm going to let, and I'm going to switch to lamps and candles. I'm not going to have overhead lights on after dark because that's going to throw off my circadian rhythm. And I'm going to break the habit of scrolling on my phone late at night. And I'm going to have hours of availability for myself. And you, and you just, you got to be the person to make that decision. And I can't tell you how much better I feel, Jared. Like, I can't tell you how much better I feel. It's incredible. I feel like my happiness tank is like rising day by day right now. The more I implement some of these practices and just honestly decide to do less. Well, I love that. And there's a couple of things about that that I really want to focus on. The counterculture argument is a strong one because culture, if, if we just talk, and, and interestingly enough, I have a few listeners in a whole bunch of different countries, but almost everybody's here in America and quite a few in Canada. So if we just talk about the people over here in North America and what culture looks like, there are a couple of things that are very, very troubling. Um, and, and one of them is this constant feeling of overwhelm that I think to a large degree we create for ourselves. Um, because going back to my response to your message uh, on Facebook, one of the things that I mentioned is that 95% of the people don't expect what I think they expect of me. That's my perception of what they expect. And yes, there are some people who can for whatever term you want to use, be a bit of a thorn in the side, be a little demanding, uh, you know, the squeakier wheel, all that kind of stuff. Those people exist. And I, I expressed gratitude for those people in my post back to you because those people teach me something too. But what I recognize is that because of that squeaky wheel, it feels like I've got hundreds of people that absolutely want me you know available to them all the time when in reality that's just not the case as i step back and and really take more of the 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 big view uh of what's going on i can see that the vast majority of people actually respect my time probably yeah. a lot more than i respect my time yeah. and yeah. that's a big deal and a big realization that that you actually helped me achieve as i was as i was writing through this but this counterculture thing is there's way more to it than that. When we look at the culture here, it is a culture of ill health. Yeah. Right? It's a culture of going to bed too late 
and then having to get up too early uh, based on when we went to bed, right? Mm -hmm. Not enough hours of sleep. Very, very few people are allowing themselves, you know, a legitimate eight hours of sleep now. And we know there's plenty of science backing why we should. Uh, It's eating too quickly. It's uh, eating the wrong things, which frankly, finding the right things, the things that are actually nutritive to your body, it's pretty hard to do, right? If you're going to expect somebody else to cook for you. (laughs) So you've got to make your own meals. And that's counterculture. You know, somebody was online, Amy, just uh, a week ago uh, on Facebook also, and it had the exact opposite effect on me than as you're posted. (laughs) It was a post of like, oh my gosh, somebody really wrote this. Somebody wrote this and put it out there for everyone. It was a, it was a big post full of vitriol towards DoorDash. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because they'd forgotten her drinks. And I thought about it and I thought, well, first off, first world problem, right? This, this is, this is a thing. I didn't even imagine somebody would bring me my fast food like, because that's why they have drive-throughs. We just go and get it ourselves, right? And now everybody's dashing it to our door or whatever. I don't. I don't think I quite totally understand that concept. Um, but I thought it was so funny because the stress that had been caused for this person because they were, I'm just going to say it, too lazy to go get their own fast food. I mean, think about that. That's kind of a really interesting thing, because had they gone to get it themselves, they would have gotten their drinks, they would have still gotten their junk food, and they would have been a lot less stressed out. But maybe better is don't let anybody else cook your food, except for on special occasions. Figure it out for yourself. Be counterculture in preparing your own meals, because it's the only way you're actually going to find healthy food on a consistent basis to put into your body. So that's one counterculture thing. The late nights, like we talked about, another counterculture thing, the constant screen time. These screens, Amy, they're amazing. The stuff you can find behind that screen is so cool, right? This conversation originated because of a stupid app called Facebook that drives me crazy more than it makes me happy, right? And yet... It's one of those things I consider it kind of a necessary evil at this point uh, because of the business that I'm in. I need to have communication, you know, lines open and that kind of thing, which is why I very, very specifically look for things like what you wrote and try to avoid the things like this DoorDash, you know, complaint. And yet the screens can just like everything else, they can crush you or they can bring you up. You get to decide the counterculture approach is less screen time more face-to-face time, more one-on-one time, maybe instead of texting a person, picking up the phone and calling them, you know, that sort of thing. Totally. I think perspective is everything when it comes to this and perspective can, it's wild how much perspective can shift your mood, shift your approach to things, shift your belief systems. And for me, I mean, I was really fortunate to be raised in a household where we did cook all of our own meals. Yeah, I mean, my mom is like a huge pioneer of integrative healthcare mm-hmm. um, in the state I grew up in, in Wisconsin, and has run wellness centers all around the country. 
and uh, we did we did cook our own meals so it was very normal to spend you know about an hour on dinner prep growing up but then i started living overseas and so it's very normal in some cultures to spend two to four hours preparing dinner mm-hmm. you know two to four hours like you would start if you were making like a good meal you'd start at three o'clock in the afternoon and i was like wow like we consider one hour generous in america oh, yeah. to like i don't have an hour to make dinner Mm-hmm. And I'm like, some of these other countries are spending like, you know, multiple, I mean, two hours would be like a baseline level. So that was really interesting for me to just notice like, wow, what else have we filled our schedules with? And it's very easy to answer that question because we, I didn't realize how busy Americans were until I, I lived overseas and I would ask people like about their perception of my country. And nine times out of 10, they would comment on our, our busyness. They're like, wow, Americans are so busy busy. You guys are just like addicted to productivity. And that's one thing that when it came time for me to rest, I had to very consciously like coach myself through being okay with not being productive. I was like, no, like 9 PM, like it, I know there's messages that are unresponded to, and I know there's things to do, but like, this is actually normal. Resting is actually normal for the human body, not being productive, you know, 16 hours out of a 24 hour day. So I just, perspective is huge when it comes to this. And if you, I do want to say to anyone listening, if you find yourself coming up against barriers to resting or to taking care of yourself in any form, that is a very appropriate time to reach out to receive some level of coaching NLP, you know, emotion code, psych K, somatic therapy, um, that life coaching therapy work. Like I have a, I have a online resource where I cover 25 different forms of therapy because people just think like there's, they're not even aware of all the different options out there for how to rewire your brain and understand the root cause of your beliefs. But sometimes I feel like people think they should go to their therapist or to their coach or to receive help when they have a mental health breakdown. That's, that's like, one out of five times that I reach out for help. The other four out of five times are because I want to implement a behavior in my life and I'm experiencing resistance towards it. And I want to remove the resistance because I'm not a believer that behavior change is about accountability and discipline and what you should be doing. Behavior change is about your belief systems. It's people are pretty true to what they believe at the end of the day. Um, and if you're not, that's where you have internal conflict because your actions are not lining up with your beliefs. I love, um, I think it was Gandhi who said, was it Gandhi or Buddha? You know, when your when your beliefs and your words and your actions are in alignment, that's when you're in a state of happiness. Mm -hmm. And when your beliefs and your words and your actions are in misalignment, that's where misery comes from. So anyway, this is all to say that if you find yourself struggling to implement a behavior, that is a perfect time to reach out to get help and coaching from someone because they can help you break that down and restructure your mental approach to it. Uh, you know, for me, I did hypnotherapy one time when I noticed I was constantly waking up stressed, even though I was living like an epic life. And I was like, why am I waking up with the weight of the world on my chest when I like have, li- I'm living in like one of my dream locations, have a great job, have wonderful friends and a beautiful community. I'm like, why am I waking up unhappy? So I reached out for hypnotherapy and it took me back to three core memories. And one of them was being 12 years old and watching my mom work late at night and her saying, Amy, I hope you never have to work this hard. Hmm. And I had carried some like subconscious belief patterns that it would somehow be like unfair to my mom if my life, if I didn't have to work as hard as she did, Hmm. you know? So in, in that hypnotherapy session, I was just taken back to that 12 year old me 
And I just cried. I just let out the grief that my mom had to work so hard as a single mom um, of five kids growing a business until she was married to a great man. Um, but I let out the grief of that. And I realized I don't actually have to mirror my mom's life of how hard she had to work. I don't have to mirror that. And I don't need to feel guilty about not mirroring it either. So I just, I'm mentioning this, Jared, because a lot of times people think their unhealthy behaviors are tied to self-hate or towards not loving themselves or not respecting themselves. And sometimes it is tied to shame, you know, sometimes, but a lot of times it's actually tied to a value or a belief you don't even know you have. So having that support and peeling back those layers to get your beliefs caught up to like reality is uh, extremely helpful in the process of behavior change. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. And I love that you talk about these beliefs. I actually did a show uh, several months ago. We'll link it in the show description all about limiting beliefs. And the thing that we have to understand about those beliefs is that many of them are conscious, but I would say the majority of them are, are in the subconscious mind. Uh, we have to peel back the curtain and see what's back behind there. And that's where a lot of times some help uh, in that process can can really help. I've shared this before uh, on the show, but not with you, Amy. This podcast is four years old now, a little over four years old. And um, the radio show itself has been 16 years on local radio here in Utah. So 12 years before I turned it into a podcast. But there was a five-year period where I talked a lot about turning it into a podcast. It was my number one goal of the year, multiple years. Um, I did YouTube research. I read a book on the subject. I tried to figure out how to do it. There was something absolutely not in my conscious mind that was holding me back from actually pulling the trigger and releasing this podcast. And I did what you just said. I actually reached out for help. Uh, I went to a guy, but you know him, Lamont Wilcox. Do you yes, know Lamont? Yeah. I know Lamont. Yeah. Yes. I went to Lamont and did. Uh, went through his process and actually eventually became a um, uh, certified to teach what he teaches. But in the early going, I sat there with him for ten hours, uh, and we went through all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it wasn't. It's not hypnotherapy. It's basically him asking you whole bunch of questions and you having to dig real deep into what the heck you actually think <laughs> about mm -hmm. things. And we went through that process. And within a month and a half, I had a podcast. And wow. I don't know, honestly, what limiting belief was there. I don't know what the fear was. I never did uncover that specifically. I just know I got it out of the way. And the barrier was gone, like you said. So there's real, real power in that. If, you, if you're having a hard time figuring it out on your own, there are uh, certainly a lot of resources to help you with that for sure. And I do believe these emotional vitality episodes of this podcast can help. And uh, if you'll listen to them and take them to heart and recognize also that this is this is one of the most, uh, what, what's the word, most economical ways that you can do it is just listening for free on this podcast, but do something with it. One of the values, I think, Amy, in talking to a hypnotherapist or a guy like Lamont or whatever, is that you put some money out there, you take it a little bit more seriously. I've actually hesitated to do much with the Emotional Vitality series on the podcast because I want people to take it seriously and this is free. So if you're listening and you've heard this stuff and it's resonating, but you're not doing anything about it, uh, don't look this gift horse in the mouth. There's real value here. And, and I hope you'll uh, find ways to unstick yourself uh, because there's real value to that. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to put one thing into perspective as we're talking about perspective. Like, it really has baffled me the hesitancy people can have towards investing in having an expert come in and do an audit on their thoughts. <laughs> it's like 
you do not blink an eye at spending a quarter of a million dollars on a house or a half million dollars on a house or $2 million on a house. You don't blink an eye at spending $40,000 on a car or $100,000 on your kid's education or you know however many thousands of dollars over the course of years on your hobbies. But heaven forbid someone's charging you $250 to come in and take an honest look at your thoughts and what are the beliefs that are running your whole life? And we're like, oh, like, you want to charge that much? Mm-hmm. And I, I totally agree. There's like a lot of coaching programs out there that are going to hype you up and want to charge high ticket. And I understand people's resistance towards some of that. But if I could just insert one belief into the people listening to this, it's that I really don't think you could calculate the ROI on a single session with someone who can help you correct a limiting belief in your mind an identity distortion, a thought distortion, an incorrect pattern or, or belief that's founded in something that's no longer true. I mean, I know people who charge anywhere from $75 an hour up to, you know, several hundred dollars an hour. And I would just say like, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So even if you don't feel like every second of the session is productive, you're going to find a golden nugget in there. That's going to be worth it. And it's totally one of the best investments I believe you can make. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. There's real interesting. Um, there, there's there's something interesting. A guy told me once. A guy that worked for me actually for a lot of years, um, Brian. Uh, for people that have shopped at Vitality, you may have met him. He said something really profound to me one time. He worked at a company that did biofeedback. Uh, they they made biofeedback machines, and I have a biofeedback machine at Vitality. And uh, he said, you know what I believe about this. And it's going to sound pretty cosmic and mystical, but this, it was really interesting to me. And man, it struck me hard. I'll be curious your thoughts on this is that the practitioner running the machine um, is going to see the data that he or she needs to see to help the client that he or she needs to help. Meaning yeah. it's not necessarily so much you, the training that you have um, or the way that you present it or anything like that. It's more if you're in the place that you should be uh, wanting to sincerely help that individual, that you are going to be um, given the insight that you need to help that individual. So I don't even think it's as much about you know necessarily picking the right practitioner up clearly do some research, find someone that people have had success with. You know, you don't want someone who's a complete quack in there, but there are plenty of really great practitioners in there and the golden nugget will be there if you're looking for it. I do believe that uh, very, very much. Um, I, I don't, whereas with like talk therapy, more standard therapy, I think the relationship maybe matters more than anything else. You know, what type of relationship you're able to kind of build with that practitioner and that, uh, that therapist and finding the right match. We hear that all the time. Well, they just weren't the right match. They weren't the right match or whatever. And that's, and talk therapy is a little bit different that way, I think, maybe than some of this other stuff that we're talking about. But even still, if you can get past the ego and just listen and be present in the moment, I think you can get answers in almost any session like that, what, what we're discussing totally. now. Totally, Jared. And that ego is going to be saying like, why are you spending this much time about on yourself? Or yeah, you know, it's it's going to be saying like, there's so many other things you could be doing right now. Why are you are you really like honestly spending all this time just talking about you or looking in your own brain or the ego? I mean, I'm I'm mentioning this because sometimes we think the ego is self inflating, but a lot of times the ego is self deflating. It's yes. it's it is like telling it it is actually like a 
fear mechanism that if you don't spend enough time people pleasing everyone around you, your life's going to come crashing and burning down. And just be aware of that. Like I, I tell all of my clients and my friends before they start therapy, I'm like, there's a few things. And when I say therapy, I'm, I'm using that word extremely loosely because right. like 95% yeah. of the therapy in my world is not conventional through licensed professionals at all. Right. Okay. So just keep that in mind. But um, I tell them all before I get started, I'm like, hey, here's a few pointers for yourself. Number one, do not expect every minute of the session to feel productive. In fact, if you're 45 minutes in and you're like, I'm getting nothing out of this. First of all, it is your responsibility to use your voice and be vulnerable and give your practitioner feedback on how the session's going for you and what you really need to get at. Like use this opportunity to use your voice to say, listen, I actually don't feel this direction is serving me. Like what I really, what's really coming up for me is this, like use your voice. But secondly, do have patience because some of my biggest breakthroughs came after 45 minutes of thinking this session's going nowhere yeah. and all of a sudden they peeled back enough layers and then asked the question and I was curious enough that it landed and I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. So just be curious, you know, be open-minded to it. Use your voice to advocate for what your needs are. And especially, like you said, come with an intention. Yeah. Come with it. That's going to make the biggest difference. It's just like, what is your intention? Is there a trigger you notice you have that you want to work through? Is there a behavior you want to implement in your life and you notice you keep on not implementing it? You know, is there, do you want to get better at finances? Do you want to get better at your eating habits, at relationships? Like there's just come with an intention and you're, you're going to get something from it. Yeah, I agree very, very much. Uh, so a couple of more things. We don't have a whole lot more time here and I want to make sure that we, um, I, I want to make sure that we give a few, you know, really useful um uh, tools, suggestions. I think the one that we just covered is really important. If you're having a hard time finding it within yourself, get someone to help you, you know, look behind the curtain and figure that out. I think that's really, really valuable. Another thing that, you know, it's really simple and it's kind of trite, but I think we don't think about it all the time. And it's one of the best ways that I think we can pull the selfishness out of it. If we're feeling selfish about taking too much time for our needs, uh, that old, thing that you hear every time you get on an airplane. You got to put on your mask first before you can help the person next to you. And there's real truth in that. If you're constantly in a state of frazzle and overwhelm and anxiety and I'm not getting enough done and all the feelings that you're having, you're not going to be showing up a very as a very authentic and useful person in the lives of the people closest to you. And there, I've learned that lesson the hard way, frankly, that if I run myself too ragged, I'm of little value to the people that are counting on me to help them figure that out. So taking care of yourself is the the furthest thing from a selfish act. It can actually be the most selfless act that you can perform. Yeah. And just a little bit of commentary or self-reflection or, or actually observation on that. I do notice those people who like live in a constant state of turning outwards, they still do like a lot of good for other people. And, you know, I've heard some people say like, oh, if you can't love yourself, how can you love others? And I, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I know a lot of people who love other people and treat other people a lot better than they treat themselves. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like I do, you can totally still be that person of service and giving that love and that contribution. But what I would ask is like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like if you don't have peace within yourself, if you don't have happiness at baseline, like at the end of the day, 
that is one less person who's, you know, who's happy or peaceful on planet earth. And if you're living, trying to make everyone life, everyone else's life happy, but not affording yourself the infrastructure in your own life to accomplish that in your own life, it's, uh, I think we can end up just creating a society where we think self-sacrifice is going to solve all of our issues. And there is that beautiful balance between turning outward and inward. Yes. Because it's, it's not all about, it's not all about you and it's, it's not all about protecting your peace and, you know, having your own happiness, but a part of it is, you know? So yeah. I just think, I think there is a divine balance between turning inward and turning outward. Um, and I, I do believe in God and I definitely believe he puts purpose in our heart. And um, there's a beautiful, beautiful thing to the miracle that happens where our cup does get filled by turning out. But at the end of the day, like we're still the number one steward of our human body and the number one steward of our spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause we still have to take care of ourselves. And at the same time, one of the things I, I think you said it really well with our cup being filled by turning outward. One of the things that takes care of us is taking care of other people. Right. So there is that balance without service. Uh, I, I think life is pretty shallow. Uh, and, and joy is, is harder to find. And at the same time, if we're so burnt out at both yeah. ends that we can't totally. serve, then, you know, we're missing the mark too. So balance is, is the key. And if you're feeling out of balance, you know what it feels like to feel out of balance. Everybody knows what it feels like to feel out of balance. And if you do feel like you're out of balance, then that's why when some of these practices of, you know, uh, a lot of the things that I've talked about, gratitude journaling and things like that, I started a bullet journal at the beginning of this year for the first time, which has been really, really interesting. I'm still fiddling with how I want to do it exactly, but I've been doing it daily and it's, I've already learned a lot in, what are we, 15 days into the year or something like that. Um, and when we find you know, don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to um, experiment a little, experiment a little with yourself and what works for you. Because just because it's a practice that maybe Amy uses to enhance her life or I use to enhance mine doesn't necessarily mean it's a great fit for you. You will find what you're looking for. The key, I think, is in the looking and the searching and making sure that you're actually digging, uh, you know, and and uh, uncovering things that you know, work for you and you'll feel it when it does, it'll resonate. If the words that we're sharing are resonating with you, if they feel right, then, you know, do something with them because there's clearly value in it for you. Jared, I want to end with the hope I have for society. And it is that we can successfully blend the best of the past and the best of the present. You know, it is like, this is a very incredible era we're walking into where there's a strong movement to return to our roots and readopt some of those best practices that used to naturally regulate our nervous system. Early morning sun exposure, sound therapy, drum circles, eating whole foods, you know, meeting with people in circles. And there's just a lot of practices we're reintegrating now, but also keeping to looking to keep the best of what, the people who came before us fought hard to give us. So I just want to end with that, with that hope and vision I have for society. And that's the same vision I have with our, with my school is this is not about who's right and who's wrong, what works, what, you know, what, like, uh, just philosophically speaking, like, what are the principles? Like, I, I really just want to take the best of what every field 
of medicine, natural and allopathic, has to offer and bring them together. Like it's that simple. This is not a war. This is not a war. We need each other. And and there is um yeah, like you said, I like laugh when I say the word balance because of how much people use it, but there really is a divine there really is a divine balance. Yeah, and I believe there is. And yes, some of these words, like I say, some of it can feel kind of trite and, you know, you've heard it a million times. We I mentioned gratitude and it seems so simple and almost lame, I think, to some people when they think about it. But I will promise you that if you really practice a gratitude practice, whatever your practice is, I do it differently than you may do it. I did a whole show on it a little while back that we can link if you want to you know, hear how I do it anyway. Um, but what works for you works for you. But there is power in this stuff because what we're teaching ourselves uh, subconsciously, because that's really what we're doing, is we're trying as as hard as we possibly can when we're trying to find the balance that Amy's talking about, that divine balance, is we are uh, attempting to find what is out of line, I guess, uh, what is taking us down the wrong roads in our subconscious mind, the roads that we don't want to travel. I want to say the wrong roads, the roads that keep us stuck, where we cycle back to the same feelings of exhaustion, overwhelm, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that is is bothering you. And we're trying to reroute those roads. And the best way that I know how to reroute those roads is to give yourself some time in the silence to just simply think about What's going on? And one of the best ways to do that is, in my book anyway, is to think about all of the amazingness in my life. When I look at all of the amazingness in my life, it starts to get overwhelming on the side of my life is freaking awesome and underwhelming on the side of my life is full of pressures and stress. And yet, if I were to put it all on a scale and not think about it too much, a lot of times it would feel like the overwhelm and stress was weighing the scale down harder. But as soon as I get into my gratitudes, I start to recognize, uh uh-uh, that's not at all what's happening. I have so much amazing over here. And if I start to focus on that, that changes the mental game behind the curtain in the subconscious mind. It reduces my limiting beliefs and it gives me a power that I haven't found other ways to access that are any better than that personally. But there are a bunch of tools, lots of different tools that you can use. And I couldn't agree with you more, Amy. You mentioned something really funny um, or, or that struck me as funny because we're talking about, you know, we started off the conversation with the overwhelm of the Internet and the telephone and telephone. We don't call it that, the cell phone. Right. And all the other stuff that we that we deal with to, in this modern age. And then not too long after that, you said, but if you want to listen to brain.fm, they've got some amazing. Right. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about. That's this modern, amazing thing that we can hold in the palm of our hand that can really help that we didn't have 100 years ago or even 20 years ago. And now we have it now. So let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? There's some amazing stuff in this digital age, including hopefully the feelings that you're getting and the, the hopefully the benefit you're getting from this podcast that we wouldn't have the opportunity to share with you any other way not too long ago either. Totally. totally. So I love it. I think this is, I hope this has been valuable. I've certainly enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear feedback from anyone listening. Um, I will tell you this, uh, you know, she is, you know, sitting right in front of me 
digitally anyway. Uh, and uh, so you might think that I'm just saying this because, you know, I want to make her feel good about herself. Don't worry. Amy feels great about herself. She knows how amazing she is. <laughs> so this is all from the heart. If you're looking, if you're, if you're wanting to dig deeper, you're wanting to really get into this natural healing modality uh, or one of the natural healing modalities, I should say, you've got to check out holistic health practitioner or not practitioners, educators, sorry. Um, we will have their website in the uh, show description. Uh, we'll also have the social media uh, links for Amy. Um, her and her group over there are, they're doing it. Well, I'll say it this way. They're doing it for the same reason I do it. Uh, what yeah. I believe is the reason that we actually want to help people uh, that we're serving and we want to spread more of this amazing tool kit out to the world and get more powerful people out there working and helping people. What I've recognized in my little corner of the world doing what I do is that there are millions and millions of people that need help uh, from people who authentically wish to help. And if you are one of those people that wants to actually get involved on a higher level, helping people like this through a holistic practice, definitely reach out to Amy uh, and holistic health um, educators.com, right? Holistic health educators.com uh, mm -hmm. and check it out. Amy, I'm going to let you have the last word. Yeah, I want, I want to end with this and it's that, you know, you were talking about the proportion of your thoughts in a day between like positive thoughts and negative thoughts. And sometimes you have to do that check on yourself to say like, does this mirror my reality or not? If I am living a life that's actually very beautiful, but most of the, my thoughts in a day are negative, something is not connecting properly. Mm -hmm. And so for you, that practice of gratitude is really huge. I want to mention one thing that takes up so much bandwidth in people's minds is the perception that they're doing it wrong, that they're doing something wrong. They're not doing it right. I'm not, I'm not living up to the social media expectation, or I'm not living up to natural health properly, or I'm not being the perfect mom that has their kids enrolled in five things and they always show up on time with nicely pressed clothes and an organic salad in their backpack. It's like this, like constantly, like, I'm not doing it right. And I just want to mention again, like, this is all new cars on a 14 lane highway, on a 14 lane <laughs> highway with a cell phone where you're, you know, quote unquote, can stay connected to everyone you've ever met with the demands of the 21st century. Like, this is all new. Who's doing it right? Who's to say what's right? Who's to say what's right? So if there's like one thing I would leave people with, it would be like the first thing you can do is drop the the judgment or the mental baggage of just going through your day thinking you're doing it wrong because thank God people are living their lives differently. If my friend who came and stayed with me for two months, who showed me how to actually chill out at the end of the day was comparing himself against the metric of how many people did I get back to it in and how busy was I and how many, how much stuff did I accomplish online and blah, blah, blah. If he was comparing himself against that, he would have never demonstrated to me what relaxing and getting back in a parasympathetic mode at the end of a day looked like. So like, thank God he decided to do things his way instead of someone else's way. And uh, for everyone out there, there is a natural blueprint to your personality type. And there might be behaviors you want to change. And I totally support you in that. But if there's one thing you could do today, it would be like to drop the comparison that you're not doing things right. Because whoever came up with the blueprint for what a successful 21st century life looks like is probably a totally different neurotype than me because I'm not a type A personality businesswoman, naturally. I'm like a free spirit artist. 
So the day I decided to stop comparing myself to how well I'm following a type A personality five-step morning routine from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., the day I completely dropped that and realized like, wow, I do way better if I flow throughout the day Mm -hmm. and naturally like get my stuff done in a very flowacious manner. The day I like dropped the judgment and I embraced that, I became instantly happier, instantly. So that's just what I want to end with is, you know, the only person you should be having that conversation with is God. And even then, make sure you don't have a bully in your mind of who God is, because we, I, do, I really do believe we have divine creation. You know, I, I really do believe that. So don't insult God by thinking you're a mess up. <laughs> I'm so glad I gave you the last word. Uh, that was fantastic. I, again, echo it completely, agree with it completely. That is awesome. And I can't think of a better way to end this. So. All I will say before I do end, though, is please tell me that you'll come back on and we'll do another one of these. Yes! Okay. I would love to, Jared. I love right. this question. Right. Thank That's you. That's cool. We'll definitely do that then. I hope that for those of you listening, um, it's been a little bit longer than the typical episode. That's okay because hopefully every word was of use to you. If there was a thing that stuck out in your mind uh, that can help you, then I hope that you Take it and run with it and make it your own. And if you have questions, of course, you know how to reach us. You can call us at 801-292-6662. You can also jump on the chat feature at vitalitynutrition.com. We will continue to educate on these emotional vitality practices uh, throughout this year. I'm really excited to bring you four more editions of Jen's story uh, where we'll share her trip from um, suicidal, bipolar to happy, healthy, content, and the love of my life. We're going to talk about all of that throughout this year. We aim to help you find the truest and most authentic version of yourself so that you can show up for all the people that you love in the very most effective way. Thank you so much to Amy Sprouse for joining me on Vitality Radio today, and thank you for listening. Okay, it's time for another homeopathic minute. I am pretty excited to give you this one because it's really interesting. First off, Uh, This is our fourth one, and the first one that doesn't come from a plant or an animal. This is Argentum nitricum. Argentum nitricum is actually the homeopathic silver nitrate. It comes from silver nitrate, uh, uh, the homeopathic uh, dilution thereof. And as such, it has some really interesting uh, properties. And I find this one interesting because every time I'm doing one of these homeopathic minutes, as I'm sure you are, I'm walking through the remedy and thinking, is this something that could potentially be good for me? You know, we're going to do 56 of these over the next 50, well, we've done three so far, so over the next 53 weeks or whatever it is, okay? And uh, this one's interesting because it's like a 50-50 shot, and I'll explain what I mean in a minute. First, let's talk about what it is typically used for. Uh, This remedy can be indicated for digestive or neurological symptoms in people who are very warm and bothered by the heat. Me, I tend to be very warm. I tend to not tolerate heat that well. Loud belching and passing of wind. Well, I, you know, generally not so much on the loud belching. Anyway, uh, abdominal bloating with gas. Eh, Don't really get much abdominal bloating at all. Um, A great desire for sugar and sweets, which worsen abdominal troubles and may cause diarrhea. Yes, great desire for sugar and sweets, not so much on the abdominal troubles. So we're, again, kind of 50-50 here. 
performance anxiety. Uh, this is where this remedy shines, in my opinion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from a doctor, a homeopath, that talks a lot about this in just a minute. Uh, these are for people that are very nervous before an event, uh, anticipating the what-if scenarios. You know, what if I screw up? What if I'm not good enough? What if, I, uh, if it doesn't land right with the audience? And so on. So here's the thing about me. I love to be in front of the crowd. I love to speak in public as much or more than I love doing the podcast. Probably actually more because I like to actually be able to gauge the response of the people in the audience. And a lot of people are terrified of speaking in public. I love it. But I wasn't that way 15, 16, 17 years ago prior to doing this podcast. Standing up in front of a crowd and giving a talk was terrifying. It took me a while to get to that. And there were always what ifs about, you know, would I be good enough for the audience? So that one's really interesting to me as well, because it certainly at least matched the former version of myself, if not so much now. High anxiety in crowds, small places or planes. I don't experience anything like that. Experiences strong heart palpitations with anxiety as if your heart would jump out of your body. That is not me either. Uh, afraid to be late, hurried, and talks a lot. Well, I do talk a lot. <laughs> I'm often in a hurry, but I'm very rarely afraid to be late, as I am often late. So it's an interesting remedy. And this is one of the things I love about homeopathy, but also one of the things that can be frustrating about homeopathy, is figuring out which remedy is right for you, which is why I'm doing these homeop homeopathic minutes for you this year. And for me, I'm learning every bit as much as you are on this, and I love it. But here's the thing. Homeopathy, extremely safe, not contraindicated with other med other medicines, uh, safe at all ages, and so on. Some of the safest medicine that we have. And again, while this is not medical advice, I'm neither a homeopath or a doctor or a medical professional of any kind, uh, so don't take my word for it. And certainly you can consult with your medical provider on this. But with homeopathy, it's about as safe a medicine as you can freely experiment with. And therefore, with a medicine like this, I will be experimenting with it to see if it can help a little bit with maybe the sugar cravings or maybe make me feel a little less bothered in, you know, warm, uh, uh, over warm situations, which I'm not dealing with here in Utah at the moment as it is cold outside. So there's a doctor who I found who I really, really like the way he writes on homeopathy. Dr. Vikas Sharma uh, is an MD. He's got a great website I would highly recommend uh, if you're wanting to research homeopathics uh, by yourself, drhomeo.com. So he says about Argentum nitricum, this medicine has a marked action on the mind. It is a top-grade medicine to manage cases of anticipatory anxiety. This sort of anxiety occurs from anticipation, which is the act of predicting something and excitement about something which is about to happen in the future. For example, a person may feel anxious when they have an appointment with the doctor and start anticipating things that will happen during the appointment. Or a student may have anxiety about an examination that is going to be held in the future. Uh, often diarrhea is another common occurrence that appears with such situations of high stress. Other than this, it is a prominent medicine to help cases of performance anxiety, like anxiety before giving a performance on a stage, like I was just talking about. 
Panic attacks, including sudden anxiety, fear, terror, that can be well-managed, uh, often can be well-managed with this medicine. This remedy is also used to manage cases of fear. Uh, people requiring it may have different sorts of fears, like heights, crowds, dark, high buildings, flying in airplanes, etc. Those who are in need of it tend to have a very nervous, hurried, and impulsive uh, personality. So, again... Not a perfect match for me, but my gosh, is it a perfect match in some areas for me. So I'm going to give this one a shot. I'm going to experience with Argentum Nitricum, particularly before I have a conversation that is a little bit stressful for me, of which I've had many over the last few weeks for some reason, and see if it calms me down a little bit. Very interesting stuff. Uh, Argentum nitricum, nitricum can be used like all homeopathic pellets multiple different times a day. Uh, under the tongue, I typically recommend about three to five pellets at a dose. And uh, of course, my favorite brand for all of the homeopathy is the Olois brand. I highly recommend, if you haven't heard it, episode 393 uh, of the Vitality Radio podcast, where we go into the whys of why that brand is my preferred brand of homeopathic remedies. I hope this was helpful for you. If you have questions, Call us 801-292-6662 or shoot us a message on vitalitynutrition.com or Instagram at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. I'm Jared St. Clair and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.